0: Welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts Mike Gore, James Casina, and Jocelyn Gotto. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. Here's today's episode.
1: Hello everybody, it is Mike Gore here and welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast. As always, I'm sitting here in the studio with Jocelyn Gotto.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: Good, it's good to have you back.
0: Thanks. I don't know, honestly don't know where this year has gone. I know we say that at the end of every year, I reckon but it's every, the truth. Yeah, at the end of
1: every everyone says that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's probably because it's real. I think that's funny. Stereotypes are actually based off the fact that they're generally true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we always fail to remember that. Anyway, for our listeners, I'm really excited about today's episode because, behold, unto us a saviour was born... And he was Middle Eastern, Jossie. Ooh, controversial. That's what I love about this episode, is because Christmas is anything but just gift-giving and Christmas trees and laughs and food and drink and all these kind of things. You know, in so many ways, Christmas these days is all about the blonde-haired, blue-eyed saviour. But the reality is, Jesus was Middle Eastern. And like you just said a moment ago, Jocelyn, I reckon that's a pretty controversial statement for some people. But my hope is this episode today will give you more of an insight into Christmas from a Middle Eastern perspective.
0: You know, and they call this season the silly season. They, everyone is so busy rushing around, buying gifts, um, eating, laughing, all that you just listed before. And I think sometimes we often forget what Christmas Christmas and what following Jesus can look like around the rest of the world, not just in the West. And I often think of our brothers and sisters in places like the Middle East, like in Iraq, where at the height of the war, many Christians didn't get to celebrate Christmas openly because they're too afraid of the attacks that it might attract. And a believer from Iraq once said, some people just stay at home because they're too afraid to go to church because it's a target for terrorists that day. The traditional church doesn't have a Christmas tree. And that's such a vast difference to the way that we celebrate Christmas here Mm. in Australia. And, you know, if you jump across again to another part of the Middle East, to Egypt, where Christians can't hang decorations and lights outside their homes during that season because it puts a target on their back. You know, it's kind of funny because Mary and Joseph escaped their country with Jesus to head to Egypt. But it's a little bit ironic because that's actually the biggest Islamic country in the Arab world.
1: It's really interesting you say that. If we think about this part of the world, the Middle East, well, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which is now part of Israel and the Palestinian territories. Mm. And it was during the time when King Herod ruled. A few facts... I didn't know. You may not know, and I'm I'm not sure if our listeners would, Mm. about King Herod is that, well, firstly, he was a descendant of Esau, who many of us might remember in Genesis gave up his birthright to his twin brother, Jacob, for a bowl of soup. King Herod was also a remarkably successful politician, able to keep the peace between Judea and Rome. And King Herod was also a highly paranoid and insecure leader and killed many of his relatives, even his own sons. Wow. And so in the book of Matthew and Luke, when King Herod finds out the future king of the Jews is about to be born, it's not a surprise that he sees this as a threat to his own throne. So King Herod sends out the wise men to find this newborn king. But when they don't return, in Matthew chapter 2, it says Herod orders the death of every newborn boy in Bethlehem under the age of two. When I first started with Open Doors, I heard a view on this story that really turned my thinking upside down with Christmas.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Because they said... For many Christians in the Middle East, Christmas is not a night about Santa Claus arriving on a sleigh or the celebration even of a newborn child. It was actually the night where thousands of children lost their life. It's a night that's not just full of hope and glory and excitement. It's a night of absolute mourning. I mean, put yourself in the shoes of one of those families, or even you come forward the multiple generations between then and now yeah and in that family history the lineage there's this story of hey one of those boys was in our family that night in the middle east it is a deeply spiritual night and like you said Josie. Mary and Joseph, they then fled with Jesus into Egypt. So Christmas in this part of the world, while it represents the birth of Jesus Christ, it also still carries some fairly heavy connotations. It's not just about nativity scenes and Christmas trees. It's a deeply spiritual time. It's a time people remember the night when the saviour of the world was born. The night when an edict was given and many Jewish babies were killed. A generation of men all but wiped out for the sake of one person. It starts to really, for me anyway, paint the picture of the true cost of Christmas. The cost of the birth of the saviour of the world from the moment of his arrival on planet Earth.
0: Yeah. And I guess not only that, from the moment that he arrived on Earth, his birth was controversial. It's not that his life was controversial. The birth in itself was where the controversy started. And I've never really looked at um, that part of the story in that way, Mike. We've always kind of overlooked it when, you know, you're growing up in Sunday school, hearing the Christmas story. It's so easy to forget all these other little details of what happened in those first few is when Jesus came into the world.
1: It's one of those beautifully focusing kind of comments or statements. I remember when I heard it, thinking to myself, I had never viewed Christmas in this respect. And it was almost like the world uh, surrounding Christmas and the deep spiritual nature of it in that moment sort of snapped into place. And I could see it in a way that I'd never seen it before.
0: Well, and crazy again, on top of that is that This all took place in a part of the world where Christianity and Christmas has effectively been kicked out, pushed to the margins. Christmas is really, really difficult to celebrate.
1: Exactly right, Jocelyn. Coming back to the top of the podcast, I still love it. The saviour of the world was Middle Eastern. I so often feel like here in the West, while the Middle East is an extremely complex part of the world, it is undoubtedly a misunderstood part of the world too. Yeah. It's painted in such a negative light by media. We would look at people so often from the Middle East and automatically assume they are Muslim. Yeah. But it's the birthplace of the saviour of the world. We've removed, altered and tweaked this part of the Christmas narrative to kind of fit our Anglo-Saxon perception of Jesus as this blonde-haired, blue-eyed Westerner. But it was anything but that.
0: Yeah. And we, we do have quite a Western, I guess, Western media view on the Middle East. But the history of that part of the world is so rich and so deep. And, you know, I think we lose so much and we fail to learn just how much the Middle Eastern church can teach us and more broadly what the persecuted church as a whole has to teach us about the message of Jesus and the message of Christmas.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things we probably don't acknowledge enough in our society and culture is the role and the impact that media plays. Mm. And I want to be clear, I'm not trying to beat up the media here. But fear drives consumption. Yeah, It's a fundamental principle of society and culture. Fear drives consumption. And if you think back through, and for our listeners, most of the stories you hear or the media you ingest, all the headlines that are written, they're often aimed at trying to get you to click on them, to read them, to listen to them. And fear is one of the most brilliant drivers of consumption. So when it comes to the Middle East, we need to, as Christians, find a way to sort of transcend the the elements of fear to get a real clear and accurate perspective on what faith culture christmas jesus looks like in the middle east because our perception our assumption of it is often vastly different to the reality of it
0: yeah 100 percent, and i would agree that we just there's so much that we can learn from believers in these parts of the world. And, and you know, we could even um, jump over to Asia for a minute and talk about what Christmas looks like there and what following Jesus looks like there. Because it is difficult at this time of year, wherever you are in the world, in the persecuted church, to... Celebrate the Christmas holiday. And, you know, this time last year, um, 17th of December in Pakistan, there were two Islamic State bombers who arrived at a Christmas service and detonated their bombs. And at least nine people were killed in that moment and more than 50 were injured. You know, the numbers would have been even higher in that attack if they were actually able to get inside the church. But There were security guards that tried to hold them off. And in turn, they lost their lives for protecting others attending that Christmas service. And the Islamic State, in that moment, they set out to deter people away from worshipping Jesus, the Saviour of the world, at Christmas time. And one woman who was in that church during the attack said, Lord, enable us to lift our voices and cry out, Jesus is Lord, so that we may stand and not be stopped from being in church. They cannot stop us. And, you know, we've been talking about Egypt quite a little bit this episode and what attending church there around Christmas can be like. It's incredibly risky. Um, There have been instances where Islamic State have stationed themselves outside churches and opened fire as worshippers left the service. And one woman there said they want to spoil our joy of Christmas and New Year. They want to intimidate us and prevent us from going to church to pray. But such instances just increase our determination to go to church. And it's such a beautiful confronting um, picture when you paint it in your mind of just the absolute dedication and the joy and the gratefulness of what Christmas means, that they would risk their lives to still go and worship Jesus and glorify the moment that the Savior was born.
1: The persecuted church, they're just indisputably one of the greatest spiritual mentors you could ever want. Yeah. Because in the face of that rapidly changing culture, in the face of changing natures of religious freedoms, they've figured out how to overcome the villain of cultural pressure Yeah. to remain courageously close to Jesus. I mean, those quotes that you read, Jocelyn, you can't... But be inspired, be encouraged, enabling courage by reading them. It's a the beauty and the power of the persecuted church. And I really believe that one of the absolute foundational elements to the future, security and safety of the gospel in our nations is discipleship.
0: Yeah, 100%. It's
1: what Open Doors has been doing for 60, 65 years, enabling the church to remain through training discipleship and building believers because again it transcends simply being about christmas yeah and it's about overcoming all of the things that want to stop you from following jesus and it's just so brilliant and beautiful to sit here hear those quotes hear those stories and even i myself i want to leave here stronger bigger taller wanting to share jesus with the world around me it's the beauty and the power of the persecuted church not only Are we able to disciple them through the work of Open Doors? Yeah. But their stories, they're able to disciple us. It's this beautiful completion of a circle that says it's one church, one body. We're all in it and we can learn from each other. So this Christmas, I'd love you as listeners to take a moment to spend time thinking about our brothers and sisters around the world, what Christmas may look like to them. My hope is it's a crystallizing, a moment where it all comes into focus for you and you realize that Christmas, it is a deeply spiritual time. I'm not saying we've lost it. I'm not even saying that we can't celebrate it. I think churches do a brilliant job at Christmas of putting on attractional programs, concerts, displays, nativities, all of these things that are brilliant at getting people into the church. But in the middle of that, what I'm challenging our listeners today to do is to not lose the deeply spiritual side of Christmas. The gift giving, the celebration, the food, the fellowship, it's all okay. But it must only ever come from an overflow of a courageous and authentic, a trust filled relationship and respectful commitment to Jesus.
0: Yeah, and that's our prayer for you and our hope for you this Christmas is that your relationship with Jesus would grow deeper, that you would have a fresh revelation of who he is and what he has done in your life and just have have a real understanding of the depth of the meaning of Christmas.
1: And as we get ready to finish today's episode, Jocelyn, what people don't realize with the King Herod was that we know he was unable to carry out his plan to kill Jesus as a child. But years later, in his early 30s, we also know that Jesus Christ willingly gave up his life for us. One of the men who carried out the condemnation and execution of Jesus was Herod Antipas, King Herod's son, which means God had a plan and a purpose for the salvation of the world through His Son. And if the stories of the persecuted church teach us anything in this episode, it's that Jesus is worth it. His beautiful demonstration of love declared for the world to see as He was stretched out on that cross. His offer of forgiveness and salvation, it should compel us to share the gospel with the world and to passionately pursue Jesus with our whole hearts. So before we finish today, I'd love to pray for you. Thank you for listening to us this year. It's been a great privilege and honor to share this journey with you. And as we head into Christmas, let me pray over you, for you, and that this Christmas may be a deeply spiritual time for you and your family. So Father, we come before you today, and I thank you for the great privilege it is to serve you. I thank you for each and every one of our listeners. And I pray that this Christmas we would find the time to ensure that we are deeply spiritual committed, and in a thankful, grace-filled relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for sending the gift of your son Jesus into this world at a huge cost, but more than that, with a purpose and a plan that would reunite us with you. And so, Lord, this Christmas, we thank you for all you've done, and we thank you for each one of our listeners. I pray a great blessing over their lives, over their families, over their homes, and into 2020. And so, Lord, we pray this all in the wonderful and the powerful name of your son Jesus amen
0: and so we want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of the open doors live podcast and thank you for listening for all of 2019 and uh, we hope you have a really blessed time this christmas and are able to spend some of that time reflecting on the love of Jesus and how worthy he is to be praised and shared with those around us so god bless and we'll catch you in 2020 <speaking> Happy Christmas!